Hello, and welcome back to the Whole Nine Sports Podcast. I am your new host, uh, Brandon Olson, and you can find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. You can find my, uh, I guess, again, joining me uh, for the seventh round of the draft, Josh Berg. You can find Josh on Twitter at JoshBerg0611. And again, we have Evan Mead here, and you can find him on Twitter at Evan underscore Mead 0700. Uh, Dylan, who's on Twitter at Dilly Sanders, is once again being a giant nerd and doing homework, so he cannot be recording with us. And by once again, I mean we're just recording this the same day we recorded the sixth round. Um, like right back to back. Uh, so it's just still that same day. Um, yeah, don't forget Thursday, day of the draft, or tomorrow for when you're listening to this um we will be having a whole nine sports live stream during the draft we'll have a couple people there all three days we'll have people there uh we'll rotate who's on i guess who's on the desk we'll call it but uh josh i'm not gonna ask you guys how you're doing because we literally have not gotten off this call so i'm just gonna get right into it josh you're up with cincinnati pick 216 yeah, so 216, um, Cincinnati goes with Steven Sullivan here. Uh, tight end slash receiver, whatever you want to really call him, um, out of LSU. Uh, the chemistry here with Burrow, obviously, is one of the main reasons for this pick. Um, also, the the need of a tight end. Um, Sullivan here, again, he, he's he got really big catch radius being, uh, I believe, 6'5", 250. If I don't have his measurements in front of me, I think he's like 6'5", 250. Um, he doesn't work... Uh, as far as like a guy that can be like a strict receiver, um, he's not someone that's going to be able to be consistently in line. Um, but I think he's a developmental piece that's still uh, learning the position of tight end. I think the chemistry with Burrow is really the main reason for this pick. Um, so getting him at you know two sixteen, uh, having the familiarity there, I think will rise his floor a little bit during his rookie season. And then, uh, yeah, pick two seventeen, we have the team from Washington. Up and we have them taking DJ Dallas, a running back out of Miami, which I hate that I have to take a uh, take a Miami guy here. But I actually do really like DJ Dallas's game. I thought he should have gone back for another year, just because that Miami offensive line was so horrible that he could not be productive in that offense. Uh, so maybe being there for another year, they'd be better. He would look better, and he'd go significantly higher because I think he's got a ton of talent. And he's going to be one of those guys, uh, like LaMichael Pirine that we've spoken about before, where he's going to be a better pro running back than he was in college. And I don't think that uh, I don't think that's a hot take or a stretch by any any imagination. I don't think that's a stretch. Yeah, so I'm on the clock now with San Francisco, and they take J.J. Taylor, the running back from Arizona. So. This guy is actually someone I kind of like. However, I've learned in the past not to trust the little guys. I have trusted the little guys a couple different times. Tariq Cohen has actually done pretty well. Darwin Thompson really hasn't got much uh, involvement within the KC offense, which Josh is looking at me now because he knows I reference the KC team. Um, So J.J. Taylor actually offers a lot of athleticism upside that actually separates him from what I saw from Darwin Thompson actually like what I saw from his game and within that Arizona offense he was actually a big uh piece of that offense 
So I think that this pick here, given how many running backs San Francisco likes to keep on their team, it actually makes complete sense. Yeah, of course, Evan, for the second episode in a row. Had to have a Kansas City Chiefs reference somewhere. Um, but I got 219. The New York Giants take Stephen Wordle, long snapper out of Iowa State, friend of the podcast. Um, I believe you guys' long snapper is pretty old over there in New York, isn't it, Brandon? I'm not exactly familiar with long snappers. Um, but Stephen Wordle, friend of the podcast and the network, gets drafted here in the draft. It just We had to put him somewhere because he's such a great friend to the entire network. Yeah, we're big, uh, big Steve Wordle guys here. Um, yeah, Zach Diossi, I believe Diossi's gone at this point. And then we just have two young long snappers who are very easily to get rid of. Uh, so adding a seventh round pick in which you'll have four years of control over him. Smart move there. Um, and then I picked 220, the Minnesota Vikings. We have Reed Harrison Ducrow out of, I don't even, um, I can't. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure it's like that, but it's like like this spelling. Just I hate it. Um, so yeah, defensive back out of Duquesne. He's best suited in the slot, which is where we'll ha- I think have to see him in the NFL. I don't think he's going to be great on the outside. He's not one of those guys that can kind of move to safety a ton, uh, or move to safety easily. But as a nickel this late, you're taking a chance on a guy who according to his virtual pro day which take the numbers how you will random mute okay um very athletic guy and i mean when you're in the seventh round you're just taking guys and hoping that they work out yeah so i'm on the clock now in the seventh round at picture 21 the chargers like jacob breland the tight end from oregon I actually really like Jacob Breland going into the year. He was actually a guy who I had big hopes for. But after an injury uh, held him out of the season, he really has dropped off all bases. Um, I actually really like him, though. He's a very all-around good tight end. He can block well. He can come out and catch off the uh, quick slant passes uh, within that Chargers. And with uh, Virgil Green being the backup, they could probably look to improve upon their backup but as Brandon had just said it's a seventh round pick you're just looking for someone who can come in and hope they work out my next pick here is Carolina at 222 and they go with Sang Bassey or Basie uh corner out of Wake Forest uh watching him in Mobile uh was rough he he got he got beat a few times down there, uh, so first impression before I watched his film was not great. But I did find on the film, his best traits definitely his ball skills, um, which being a 5'9", 190 guy, he'll probably look to transition to either a slot only or a safety role. Um, not the best tackler, doesn't have great physicality to his game, um, but he's pretty okay in a zone. He has a feeling for you know staying in his spot and reading routes. Um, taking him in the seventh round, Carolina needs some bodies in the secondary, um, especially after especially after losing Bradbury in free agency. So it's a seventh round pick. Might as well just throw a flyer on a guy that was uh, a consistent starter at Wake Forest and see what you get. And then at pick two twenty three, we have the Arizona Cardinals taking Jake Hansen, the offensive lineman from Oregon. From, oh, wow, Oregon. Uh, he's another high floor low ceiling guy he's been a starter for four years he's probably we've probably seen almost as good as he's ever going to be very consistent though 
He's not going to get you killed. He's not going to get Kyler Murray killed. He's not going to destroy your offense at all. He could step in, perform, likely going to be a backup the majority of his career, can step in as a spot starter if he's needed. But if you can get a backup at this, if you can get anybody that can contribute in the seventh round, it was a good pick. Yes, yeah, so for this pick here, at pick 224, uh, the Jaguars select Aaron Fuller, the wide receiver from Washington. I actually feel like this is a pretty good pick as far as the value goes for a team who just cut Marquise Lee and would probably be looking at a little bit at depth as far as their wide receiver core goes. Aaron Fuller is a pretty good option at this value. You're not going to find a whole lot of receivers given how many receivers were went in the middle rounds. So Aaron Fuller is one of the better receivers available at this point, and he would fit the system that Jacksonville is probably going to run with Garner Minshew under center. So I think this pick here makes complete sense. I'm back here at 225 with Tennessee, and I kind of have a feeling that why this pick was made. Uh, Reggie Gillum, fullback out of Toledo, um, basically just to block in front of Derrick Henry. Um, he's someone that I believe was a, a tight end in college. Brandon, you can correct me. Probably know more about Toledo than I do. Um, tight end college transitioning to fullback uh, role in the NFL. Seventh rounder, you know, uh, Tennessee does. Uh, run some sets with some fullbacks, so one of the few teams that still does do that. So just having him just in front of Derrick Henry and have Derrick Henry run over people, uh, why this pick was made at 225. Yeah, um, Toledo kind of, they don't use a ton of tight end fullback sets, but he was actually, he played both, uh, but now he'll be able to play fullback full-time here. Um, or he, he could go to tight end if he's needed. But, yeah, awesome nickname also, Reg the Sledge. Gotta love it. But, yeah, we put him in Tennessee because we figured he'd really fit into that Smash Mouth style. Um, also, he's a big special teams contributor. In college, he had six blocked kicks, um, which is just insane. So, yeah, that's awesome. You get good value. Special teams contributor, not going to be huge for your offense but, or not going to put up huge numbers for your offense, but he'll be able to help you out. And then at pick 226 for the Baltimore Ravens, we have Daryl Williams, the interior offensive lineman out of Mississippi State. Um, he's a guy that, going into the year, I thought he would be like a second-round pick. So him falling as much as he did is, it, it's pretty yikes. But Baltimore does need some help on the interior offensive line. And grabbing Williams here, I mean, he might eventually be able to pass Matt Scora as a starter. We'll see how that goes, but... I like this pick. I think he's got potential, and uh, yeah, going into the year, I would have never guessed he'd be a seventh. Yeah, so I'm back on the clock now with Chicago at pick 227 in the seventh round, and I have them select Artavis Pierce, the running back from Oregon State. Artavis Pierce, who was the backup for Chubba Hubbard, uh, he actually performed pretty well, just unfortunately he was behind the spotlight of Chubba Hubbard, but he is still a very talented running back, shows some quick feet, uh, pretty good vision, is able to find holes. Just the volume wasn't really there for him, which has kept him pretty diminished as far as scouts looking at them goes. Uh, Chicago, who has David Montgomery and Tariq Cohen there, will probably be looking to improve upon the depth that they have there. So Octavius Pierce was the pick here. So I'm back on the clock here with the uh, 228. Uh, Miami Dolphins on the clock with 
one of their 15 million picks. We've got Shaim Carter, uh, the defensive back out of Alabama. He's listed as a defensive back and not a true safety because I think he can be used in a couple different uh, ways here. Um, he's someone that I really like his football IQ. He's someone that can read uh, offenses really well. Doesn't have great speed. Doesn't have a, a great athletic um, athletic upside. But he's someone that uh, played corner in high school. He's really smart in coverage. He's not, it's not going to be super uh, dynamic as far as athletic, what he's going to be able to do. But he's someone that you can come in and you can play nickel. It's a Swiss Army knife type of guy in the secondary. And Miami in, at 220 is just looking for guys that can come in and help right away. And I think that Carter in the seventh round is really, really good value for them. And then I picked 229. We have the Atlanta Falcons taking Jonathan Garvin, the edge rusher from Miami. Um, He's one of those guys, he reminds you of Julian O'Quarrie, not play style, but in the sense that he's a traits guy that just doesn't have a ton of production. Um, yeah, at this point, you're hoping that you can kind of turn that coal into a diamond. Uh, I think Atlanta might be a solid fit for him, for him because they can use some help on the edge so he could at least get some actual snaps playing. Uh, during the regular season, and hope that he develops some, and hope that he develops into something. But uh, yeah, I think right here you're just again grabbing someone, hoping for the best. All right, so with this pick here, I have uh for the seventh round, two thirty, with the Washington selecting Azura Kamara, the edge rusher slash linebacker from Kansas. Uh, I actually have him listed as a linebacker in my rankings. However, I think he could end up playing a 3-4 outside linebacker where he can run in some covered six sets and drop back into a linebacker. We actually have a lot of uh, edge rushers like this, Zach Bond, Joshua Uche. Azur Kamara is just a little bit un underdeveloped as far as the potential that he can reach, which has really pushed him down. But he does offer some short area bursts with uh, raw coverage traits and pass pass rushing traits uh i think that the fit here kind of works because of the scheme that they run there he fits that scheme really well so that's where i have him going with this pick back here with new england at 231 with their pick uh that belonged to atlanta they get bravion roy defensive lineman out of baylor uh bravion roy is definitely not a seventh round player i've got him a lot higher than uh, a lot of people do i know a lot of us are big fans of him too i know alex is um Getting him in round seven is just a Patriots thing, just getting a big steal like that uh, this late. He's really good as far as he's got great power, uh, and he's really good in the quicks, but he's not exactly the longest guy, being only 6'1", uh, 320, so his reach isn't going to be you know ideal for an interior defensive line, interior defensive lineman when you're looking for the kind of these bigger guys that can get in between the tackles. Um, but first step quickness, really, really nice. And he's also blocked two field goals in his career. Um so there's there's that that uh, the Patriots can't go for him, but really like Bravion Roy the pick here. Really like the value as well. Yeah, um, Roy is someone that everyone at whole nine that has watched him. We we love his game. Uh, he is one of the people I was referring to, and I was saying as you get further down this defensive line uh, list, you see guys that they're specialists. He's one of those guys. Um, and I picked 232. We have the Dallas Cowboys taking Michael Pinckney, the linebacker out of Miami. A uh, little short for a linebacker. He's 5'11", so not great 
height, not great length, um, but he is a consistent contributor. He's a team captain. He's been playing for four years. He's been all ACC for four years. At the very least, you're getting a special teams contributor here, and he's someone who's physical and he's smart. Um, I was talking to him. I know we. I interviewed him a couple months ago or a month ago. Uh, actually, wow, two months ago now. Sorry, sorry. Just um, but yeah, I interviewed him two months ago, and I don't remember if it was on air or off air. We were talking about one of the plays where he got an interception. He was like, "Yeah, like I just knew it was coming. Like I like because he studied that, so he knew it was coming, and that's just." awesome that you have a guy that can recognize that on film recognize it in person from a completely different angle and still be able to make a play on the ball hate that we gave him to dallas by the way all right so with my pick here i don't know how much time we actually want to spend on this podcast but i could probably spend the rest of it talking about how much i love this pick so with the seventh round, pick 233 out of the Steelers, select Pete Guerrero, the running back from Monmouth University. He is one of my favorite small school prospects in this draft class, and yes, that is including Kyle Duggar. Um, I love watching Pete Guerrero uh, film. It was just so much fun to watch. He's explosive as a running back, and given that James Conner always seems to get hurt, they do have Benny Snell there and Jalen Samuels, however... Uh, I think Pico could actually succeed within that system due to his explosiveness, explosiveness running style that they don't offer with all the running backs they have in that system. The speed that he offers in the open field, he's able to hit that second gear well with receiving upside as well. It's a really good pick here with good value. I'm just going to go ahead and ignore the Kyle Duggar comment uh, for trying to keep my job here at hole nine. But I got 234 Chicago Bears taking Shea Patterson, quarterback out of Michigan. Uh, Shea Patterson, someone that the media is very negative towards, and a lot of scouts are too. Um, his tape is not the great, uh, the greatest, but he improved a lot uh, senior bowl week when we were down there in Mobile. He showed progression um, from day one to day two to day three. So getting him in this room here with uh, Trubisky and Nick Foles, um, not saying he could learn a ton from those two, but just being a guy that could be a backup here, um, I think he can develop into being a journeyman career backup, getting a few spot starts here and there. And, and Chicago should at this point just start throwing darts at quarterbacks until they can hit. Because Mitchell Trubisky is not really working out for him. So maybe Shea Patterson is their guy. You know, never, you never know. Yeah, Shea's someone that uh, going into the 2018 season... I was really excited for. I didn't think he looked horrible there. I know he's one of the most inconsistent quarterbacks in the uh, just in college football. But like we spoke about in Mobile, and like we've been saying, or like at least I've been saying for as long as I've been watching him, he's one of those guys where he has enough good plays where an NFL team is going to take him. He has enough bad plays where some NFL teams are going to say they're not going to touch him. But he has enough good plays where NFL teams are going to take him. Where an NFL team is going to take him. And honestly, I would not be shocked if he went in a, a full round or two earlier than where we just had him. Um, and then at pick 235, the Los Angeles Rams, we gave them Dominic Eberly, uh, the kicker out of Utah State. I'm not sure if that's how you pronounce his name, but that's how it looks. Um... He's replacing Greg the Leg Zerline here. He's kind of the opposite because he is not the leg type at all. 
Uh, once he gets from distance, like once he hits like the 45 range, he gets really inconsistent at that point. But he's money inside there. And uh, that, yeah, missed kicks will kill you. If you don't have a huge leg, obviously that's a minus. But as long as you're consistent short, I think you can find a job in this league. So with pick 236, I have the Detroit Lions selecting Braden Mann, the punter from Texas A&M. He's actually got a pretty good leg, and with it being the seventh round, you actually see a lot of the special teamers go. And with the team who's looking to improve upon that aspect of the game like the Lions are, Braden Mann here seems like a pretty good pick. So that's where I have them going with this selection here. I, uh, I just get all the long snappers today. Uh, 237, Green Bay. Pick via Buffalo. Blake Ferguson, long snapper out of LSU. Um, they have Hunter Bradley right there as a long snapper right now. Uh, he's drafted in 2017, so his contract is up at the end of this coming year. So, you know, bring in Blake Ferguson to either be a replacement and you cut up Bradley or at least try to compete for the job. Green Bay's actually had a pretty good history at having good special teams. Crosby's been inconsistent at times at kicker. Um... But, you know, recently they've had a really good special teams unit. So adding to that unit is, like Evan mentioned, a lot of teams like to do and add later uh, in the draft. So taking a guy in round seven to fill his long snapper duties works out just fine for Green Bay. Also, Blake Ferguson, fan of the office. Uh, We were in Mobile and Dylan had on a, I think it was Shroot Farm shirt. And during practice, Blake Ferguson like went over and he was just like, "Hey, nice shirt, man!" And just like left. that was the extent of it. But uh, yeah, um, pick two thirty-eight, the Tennessee Titans. We have them taking Colby Parkinson, the tight end out of Stanford. Um, Reggie Gilliam gets to play fullback. They get Colby Parkinson to play tight end or the big slot role. Uh, not a great blocker, so please don't ask him to do that. Pretty much ever. Um, but he's good with the ball in his hands. He's just, he's one of those modern day tight ends where they're just they're really just big receivers more than anything else. Um, and honestly, just getting anybody on this team that can catch a ball, make a play, is a big plus. So with this pick here, I have the New York Giants at pick two thirty nine taking Jace Wittake. With Taker, the cornerback from Arizona, he's a good outside cornerback. Uh, they are looking to add depth with this pick. Uh, they have DeAndre Baker, who they drafted last year. They have James Bradbury there, who they signed in this offseason, which was a really good pick. Uh, Jace Witt Taker is a developmental cornerback in the seventh round. It's just taking a flyer on a guy who shows good traits. Uh, he's a pretty good man coverage guy. He's not extremely fluid, however. He's a pretty raw cornerback with decent instincts. Uh, I would like to see him improve a little bit more upon his uh, ability to hang with receivers downfield on the streak and fade routes. But all in all, in the seventh round, you're just taking a flyer to add some depth to some of the positions in need. Sitting here with Buffalo at pick 240 and the pick that they got uh, in the Stefan Diggs trade. I believe, uh, from Minnesota. They take Quez Watkins, wide receiver out of Southern Miss. Um, Watkins is someone that I actually really am starting to rise on a little bit as far as a late-round flyer. I just like these smaller school receivers. I just I just do. Um, he had the second-fastest 40-yard uh, dash time at the combine at 4.35. And then he's someone that, if you watch his 
2018 tape and his 2019 tape. The issues that you have in his 2018 tape, he does a lot, jo uh, a really good job at improving in those areas in his 2019 tape. Um, whether that's his ability to uh, make contested catches, get off the line. He's obviously a fast guy, so he got off the line a lot quicker, breaking his routes. Um, he's also someone that he he's really good at moving through zone. Um, so being a six foot one eighty five guy, probably gonna be best utilized as a slot guy um, with downfield threat ability. But taking a guy in round seven here, um, I really like him. And now I'm gonna go to Brandon at two forty one. So with 241, I have the Houston Texans taking Juwan Johnson, the wide receiver out of Oregon, formerly Penn State. Uh, he's someone that, when he was coming out of Penn State, I thought he was going to be a day two guy. When he was going to Oregon, I was ecstatic because I thought he was going to just light it up there. Uh, didn't work out that way. He's uh, he's just he's a big guy, um, and hopefully he can improve on some route running, but He's not going to create a ton of separation at this point. He's going to be very developmental. He's just going to be probably more utilized in the red zone than in between the 20s. Um, but if you can get him going, he can become really special. He's got the physical tools, at least to be a dominant X receiver. Yeah, and just to touch up a little bit on that pick, the adding the depth and of Juwan Johnson... I actually really liked him, as you said, when he came from Penn State. I saw a lot of potential when I watched his film. I think he could be an exciting fit there in Houston with the way they can develop receivers like Kiki Kuti, how they developed DeAndre Hopkins, and how they've uh, helped Will Fuller improve upon his game. I think if he were to go to Houston, he could be a really good receiver there. But as you said, he needs to improve upon his route running. Uh, so with pick 242... I have the New England Patriots selecting Mason Kinsey, the receiver from Barry University. And really, there's not much to be said except for he's a small guy who's a slot receiver who reminds me quite a bit of actually Julian Edelman. He's just going to go right across the middle every play. So, I mean, that's just what the Patriots like to have in a slot receiver. And with it being a seventh-round pick, that seems very fitting. Yeah, that pick that pick just makes itself. I, it needs to happen come uh, draft weekend for sure. I've got Green Bay again um, at 243. Uh, their pick via Baltimore, and they get Cole McDonald, quarterback out of Hawaii, uh, Aaron Rodgers' successor, calling it right now. No, but Cole McDonald's a guy that is raw. He has a really big arm, but really bad decision-making. Um, the system he's in in Hawaii doesn't translate a ton to the NFL, um, he puts the ball in harm's way a lot. He's someone that'll probably get drafted because he's got, you know, the ideal uh, traits as far as big arm, 6'4", 220. Get big arm, big body. Decent athlete, too, with his legs. So he definitely has some tools that someone is going to fall in love with. Um, but, you know, taking him in, in the seventh round, I'm a guy uh, that believes taking a quarterback every year, every other year is something that NFL teams should do, at least take a flyer on guys late. So starting a string of what is three quarterbacks in a row here, um, Cole McDonald to Green Bay. And then the, uh, the second quarterback is going to the Tennessee Titans, pick 244 Tyler Huntley out of Utah. Uh, combine snub, which I'm still not sure why, uh, but he's got some decent mobility. He's not a huge just 
take it long guy he's not he's not a lamar jackson when it comes to just hitting a full sprint but he's got more than enough ability to move around he's got i'd say an above average arm uh the my favorite thing that he does is that when he's rolling out and he's moving around in the backfield he always keeps his eyes down or almost always keeps his eyes downfield looking for a receiver to hit uh messy mechanics but he's got traits where if you can clean it up he can become a legitimate starting quarterback eventually with a lot of work but likely i think you're at least getting a backup for a few years that can come in if he's needed to and maybe even contribute in a not a Taysom hill role but someone to come in just run the ball every now and then all right so i'm on the clock here and with the cleveland browns in the seventh round with pick 245 they select Khalil tate the quarterback for arizona uh, I actually had high hopes when I came into watching his film, which is evidently when I learned not to trust PFF's grade. Um, Khalil Tate was unimpressive. I mean, I guess I have to be fair when I listened to what they were saying over Khalil Tate before I actually got into in-depth uh, film analysis on him. They said he had a big arm and he was athletic, but both things are true. He doesn't really uh, know how to put the ball on a person, though, who's running a route for him. Uh, so that part was kind of unamusing. Um, I mean, this pick is evidently just to add a guy to put on the practice squad. I feel I'm not a big fan of Khalil Tate. If you thought I didn't like Jonah Jackson, this pick here, it honestly makes me want to die. So... Jesus, Jesus, in the, in the entire draft, um, Khalil Tate. Like I said, I think Khalil Tate pick is just something kind of to what I was saying. Just taking a quarterback once, uh, once a year, once every other year, seeing what you got, bring out, bring along a developmental guy. You know, maybe they can be you know a late round backup for you, getting value wherever you can. Uh, I've got a pick here at two forty six with the San Francisco Forty Niners taking Trevon Hill, the edge rusher out of Miami. Um, someone that I actually like a decent amount he's solidly athletic for his position he's got really active hands my issue with him is he's not a great run defender and he doesn't have great play, uh, play strength he also was dismissed from Vatech in 2018 after a meltdown i believe against it was old dominion he had a big meltdown at the end of the game and uh was dismissed from the program so a little bit off the field issues uh there but solid player um that you would want you know to help for the pass and then maybe you can develop along the run here san francisco likes taking defensive linemen so seeing what you can do with him in that regard uh in the seventh round seeing seeing what you got at, at a depth piece and then i pick 247 we have the miami dolphins using uh the kansas city pick there you go evan i mentioned him um shaquille quarterman linebacker out of miami they can always use some linebacker help because they just seemingly are just always weak there um quarterman's a guy who oh, apparently i also get just miami linebacker so love that but uh he's another four-year starter he's a physical dude um he doesn't have great athleticism which is a big minus for him but i think that just his mentality alone his football iq alone could really uh find him a spot at least on the practice squad 
Yeah, so with this pick here, I actually have the New York Giants on the clock with 248 in the seventh round, and I still have Jordan Fuller, the safety of from Ohio State. He was a guy who I didn't really have a name for or any sort of recognition for. I had heard of his name, but he wasn't a big target for me when it came to scouting. Uh, I actually, he stood out to me against Clemson, and that's when he first caught my eye, and he's kind of been rising on my board since then, as I started to get into more film analysis on him. He is actually a very good instinctive safety with good tackling ability and run support. Uh, I would expect him to be more of a strong safety because he doesn't really take good angles when it comes to coverage and playing over the top. Uh, that's something he could improve upon, but with the Giants and their draft strategy with in this mock draft that we have them doing and them working on filling in some defensive holes and depth within their uh, defensive backs, backs position, uh, he would be a good fit for them there. On the clock here with Houston at 249, and we go with Clay Johnston, linebacker out of Baylor. Um, as a player that another Baylor guy that's getting drafted a little bit later than they should, but Johnston has uh, the reason why his fall is he had a Season-ending knee injury uh, in October that is hurting his draft stock a little bit, but he was a solid, productive player for Baylor. Um, he's probably going to go late round seven or be undrafted because of the injury, but what what's one thing that stands out about him is his ability on special teams, which is probably going to end up getting him you know, on a roster whether that's drafted late like we have him here or being a, a priority UDFA. He's got a really good special team experience to make tackles on punts and kickoffs. So um, that's where that's where the main target was with this kind of pick here. Um, was just adding a guy that could be a special teams player and then uh, seeing if he can develop into maybe a rotational linebacker piece for Houston down the line. And then next uh, on the clock, I have the Minnesota Vikings taking Jeff Thomas, the wide receiver for Miami. And the amount of times I've had to say Miami is just honestly disgusting. Um, but... Jeff Thomas is here now. Uh, he's someone that he has a, a ton of talent. Really, he's short and very th or pretty thin. Uh, but yeah, he's got plenty of talent. Explosive with the ball in his hands. He's not afraid to go up and get it. Um, he's got special team. He's a special teams contributor as a return man. But he does have some off field issues. Uh, got kicked off Miami. Got brought back when Manny Diaz got hired. And from what I've heard, there's still some spats he's gotten into, missing meetings, arguing with coaches. So you got to wonder if he's got the mentality to last in the NFL. But right here, you're getting a guy that he has the talent for sure. It's just, will he last? We don't know. But in the seventh round, it's worth a shot. Sigh. That's all I'm going to say as a Vikings fan. Just sigh. Yeah, so with this pick here at 251, I have the Texans selecting Tyree Phillips, interior offensive lineman from Mississippi State. The value here is ridiculous, granted, well, given the fact that he is a third-round graded interior offensive lineman for me. Uh, the value here to getting him in the seventh round is really, really good, and you have to protect Deshaun Watson at all costs. He is your future at this point. You don't have many other pieces to work around, so protecting him is a very important thing. Uh, he doesn't express very good lateral quickness within his mobility, which is why he plays the interior offensive lineman position. Uh, he does, however, have really good power and good length for the position. 
uh, I could see Amachi becoming one of uh, one of their starting uh, guards uh, within a couple years or so, too. Well, I've got some good news for Brandon. This is the last time we have to mention Miami. Uh, I've got 252 here with the Miami Dolphins. Uh, taking John Reed, the corner out of Penn State. I actually really like him. Um, he's a mid-round guy for me, around four, round five. Uh, they get him at 252 here. Um, not the longest guy, and more going to be more of a nickel sub-package type corner. 5'10", 181, but he's really quick. Uh, got really quick feet, really sticky in man coverage, changes direction really well. But the lack of size, length, uh, play strength um, really will limit what you want to do with him. He's primarily only going to work in the slot. And also, he missed a 2017 due, due to a knee injury. Um, so there's a little bit of medical red flags there with a the history. But I really like the guy in film. I think he's got some traits that uh, some team's going to take a chance on. Uh, and 252, I think, is really good value for Miami. And looking at another slot corner with that's giving great value to his team, Josiah Scott, the cornerback out of Michigan State, at pick two fifty three to Denver Broncos. Uh, I love his just athletic ability. He checks a bunch of boxes. He's very, um, I'll say, irritating in coverage, and you could tell he kind of bothers some receivers. This is great value for him if he was. If he was a bigger corner that could play on the outside, too, he'd be going a lot higher. But for now, I mean, this is where we've got him, and hopefully he'll go higher because I do like his game. All right, so with this pick here, I have 254 with the Minnesota Vikings selecting Dalton Keene, the tight end from Virginia Tech. They selected Irv Smith last year. Uh, Dalton Keene, although not a fantastic blocker, Shows really good receiving upside that would offer another weapon for Kirk Cousins within that offense. Uh, although the tight ends didn't seem to be utilized amazingly, I feel this is only the start of producing the getting the tight ends flowing within that Minnesota offense. And Dalton King would fit that scheme if they were to start flowing into that direction. Uh, Dalton King would be a very good fit here for sure. This pick actually makes a ton of sense for Minnesota. Uh, being a Vikings fan, I kind of know their tendencies a little bit. Um, they like taking tight ends late. Obviously, Irv Smith going in round two for uh, us last year was a little bit different. But, you know, guys like uh, David Morgan and Red Ellison, they take late round flyers on. So Dalton Keene here would not surprise me for Minnesota. Um, I've got the second to last pick in the draft with the Denver Broncos at 255. And they get one of, uh, one of my favorite late round guys, and that's David Woodward, linebacker at Utah State. Um... He's someone that is not going to jump off the charts athletically. Um, he's not someone that's great in coverage, doesn't have great range or play strength. He's just really smart finding the football in the run. Uh, 6'2", I think that, um, you know, you've got some concussion issues, and he also has a season-ending injury in 2019. So that's going to hurt his stock a little bit. Um, but he's a very calm, uh, smart, intelligent player. Um, where he is very calculated at what he wants to do, where he wants to do it. Um, so although he might be limited as far as athletic ability and where you can play him, um, I think that his football IQ is something that can you know be used as uh, an advantage to a team that picks him. And then, uh, oh my God. <coughs> Jesus Christ. Brandon, die. Um, 
Yeah, I drank water and it just went down the wrong pipe. All right. Um, <laughs> pick 256, we have Mr. Irrelevant. New York Giants taking Trey Adams, the offensive tackle out of Washington. I'm not a huge fan of his tape. Uh, don't don't absolutely hate him, but not a huge fan. What really scares me with him are the injuries, and that's what really hurts him. It's not about whether or not he can earn a starting job, really. It's about whether or not he can stay on the field to keep it. Um, unspectacular combine performance from him, which I'm not going to put too much stock into, given his uh his recent horrible luck with injuries um but if he can get a clean bill of health he could be a steal as mr irrelevant and everybody loves to see mr irrelevant work out um but yeah that's it from us uh thank you josh and evan for joining me again don't forget to join us tomorrow morning for uh episode 99 and it'll be a draft preview and then episode 100 will come out Friday, the day after the draft, and then Thursday night, we will have a live stream. We'll post the link on Twitter and all our social media, but don't forget to join us for that. It's going to be a real good time. Uh, Yeah, thank you, and have a good day.